0: Well, we're in the middle. We're at the little, at the third week uh, mark of our prayer series. And we have simply been looking at where Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. And uh, because that's something that we need to learn how to do. Sometimes it's not necessarily as intuitive as maybe it should be. Sometimes we can get locked down and, man, we're about to come before the... The King of kings and the Lord of lords. We're about to become before the God that made everything. And we can like read the news and see all the stuff going on. And go, you know what? I don't want to bother God. As if he has some sort of limited attention span. And limited amount of resources and time. And that we only come to him with the big things. God wants us to talk to him all the time. So if you've got your notes... Then uh, go ahead and crack those open. We've got our version. We also have a little uh, on our version app. We have a little uh, poll. So if, uh, especially if you're a parent, if you would answer that for me, it would help me a lot. Um, but let's just go ahead and get in our notes. That prayer is a vital part of our relationship with God. And Jesus taught us the basics of having a life-giving conversation with the Father. We talked about that week one. That God loves it when we call him Big Papa. He loves it. He loves it when we approach him understanding that he is our father. He didn't say for us to come and address him as, oh, great and mighty God of the universe. He wants us to talk to him as father. And ultimately, when it's all said and done, it should be that natural and that easy of a flow as a kid talking to a loving parent. But sometimes we need to be taught things. Sometimes we've got to learn. And that's why Jesus spent some time with his disciples. Um, I'd come across a story about a uh, father and son. They were out running some errands. As they're out running these errands, then it it, uh, quickly approached lunchtime. So they said, well, we're not going to get everything done. We're going to go have lunch. They go to one of their favorite little diners, pull up, and they sit at the old school counter. Got each have a little bar stool and uh, the cook. Brings them their meal, sets it down in front of them. This being a, a praying family, then the father leans over to the son and says, "Son, we're just we're just going to have a silent prayer." So they each bow their heads. Father has his little moment of prayer, lifts up, looks over to his son. His son's just father waits, and son's just he's just going to town. Father just sits there son's just doing it it's unusually long amount of time finally the son opens up his eyes goes to grab his fork and he's like you know buddy i you know i I couldn't help but notice you know you 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 prayed you prayed a long time what is what's such a big deal on your heart what were you what were you praying about all that time he's like i have no idea dad it's silent prayer See, we have some things that we think are a little more natural. We have to be taught. And Jesus understood that we've got to be taught how these concepts work and all of these different things. And that's what the truth that we find in Luke 11, 1 through 4. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our day, give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Most of us are more familiar with the passage out of Matthew, which we talked about a little last week, that kingdom come, that will be done. And for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. The reason that those two don't match. That Luke's version and Matthew's version are simply because this was not given to us as a prayer that we must pray verbatim. We can pray it verbatim. There's nothing wrong with it. It's good words. We can take them. It's scripture. You can pray it, mean it, and it's wonderful. But what it's really given to us as is a model prayer. It's to show us the attitude and the what, uh, behind praying. That we don't have to memorize this and pray it verbatim. That we can use it as a guide. We talked the first week about that God, op- that Jesus opens up and says, Talk to Him as Father. We talked to about it last week. That the first thing He wants us thinking about is the kingdom. Is the kingdom of God. Which Paul talked about that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. But righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That everything we really want in life, all of the other stuff we're going to be talking about in the rest of this prayer is found in the kingdom of God. And before we even get all our ducks in a row, we still got some forgiveness to talk about. We still got some temptation to talk about. But he wants us jumped in, locked arms with him, pushing forward the kingdom. If you didn't hear that last week, I'm telling you. The the, one of the things that enemy wants to come in and tell you that you aren't a good enough believer aren't a good enough Christian to really make a difference That is a lie. It is a lie. It is a lie If you're a child of of God, then he wants you to be a part of actively pushing forward the kingdom of God He just does But then that's not just about it's not just about that. It doesn't just stop there the cool thing is, is if we, stopped, if we stopped at the kingdom, everything else, if we really understood the kingdom, everything else is covered. But then he says, let's go ahead and we move forward into this next piece, is which we're going to talk about today, that God wants us to talk about our daily needs. Our daily needs. Give us each day our daily bread. These things. These, uh, I didn't start out this way. The first one just kind of flowed. Uh, I, like the, uh, I like it when you call me Big Papa. And so I've subtitled all of these so far songs. And uh, last week was Taking Care of Business. And so uh, this week is, uh, um, does anybody remember the band NXS? Okay, this song reaches all the way back to 1985. This song's playing I'm 12 years old at 7th grade dance. Woo! Way back there. And this song is is called What You Need. And I think it's funny that the song titled What You Need is by the band In Excess. Because typically we think what we need is in excess. That we want God, I want you to hook me up for the next 30 years. This concept of daily dependence, we don't like it. We don't like it. We say, God, you know, I want to trouble you one time, one time, God. The Powerball's looking really good, and I want to talk to you about this this one time. You hook me up, make the Powerball go cha ching for me, and I won't talk to you about my needs ever again. In fact, I'll help out, I'll push the kingdom, I'll do all sorts of good stuff, and we want this one stop deal with all these different things because when it when it comes down to it, us trusting God day in. And day out freaks us out in our natural man. We want to know when we go to sleep at night where tomorrow's stuff is coming from. And there, is, is there wisdom in that? Yes, Proverbs is full of talking about that a wise man lays for. But when it's all said and done, our trust can't be. In our storehouse or our stack of stuff or our retirement accounts or any of those different things. It comes down to trusting God for our daily needs because this, folks, is the beginning of where all stewardship really leads. This is what is trusting God for our daily needs. See, Matthew 6 33 and 34 says, But seek first his kingdom. We talked about this last week. Come in to pray. God, Father, Daddy, you are so good. Your kingdom come. Seek first his kingdom. Not just because God is saying, you look for my stuff and I'll take care of your stuff. No, it's because he's invited it and the kingdom is our stuff. That's where our provision, our life, our everything exists in the kingdom of God. So seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be given to you. Why? Because that's where all the stuff we need for life is for us, is in the kingdom of God. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. I love the quote. I don't remember who said it. They said that I've suffered a ton of stuff in life, most of which never happened. How many of us do that? How many of us get all tied up and all fretful And do all these different things. I'm sorry, folks. There's all you who are prepared and have your stockpiles for a zombie apocalypse. It's not going to happen. If you are worried about people going to run around half dead and eat your brains, you are worrying about something that's not going to happen. It's all funny to make movies about, but sadly, there's some people that like thinking, they're like getting ready. Like, it's not, what are we doing here? And we end up things when that's an extreme, but we can freak out and we can get all in a tizzy about all sorts of different things. When God really wants us to embrace Him today, embrace Him and His presence today, every day. See, one of God's covenant names is Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. See, in the Old Testament, He had lots of covenants. We understand, we want to understand who God is. We see Jehovah Rapha, God, our healer. We see Jehovah Sitkanu, God, our righteousness. Jehovah Nisi, God, our victory. God, all of these different things we need. When we sing the I Am song that we have sang the last couple of weeks, that's all of that coming in, that everything we need, He is. And one of the things we have to understand is that He is our provider And I'm going to talk to you today a lot out of my own personal experience, okay? A lot of this because my wife and my family, we have seen God be faithful over and over and over again. And so uh, in this, I I don't want this to remotely come off of us bragging on ourselves or that this is bragging on God because it has just been absolutely miraculous. But whenever I first came to ASU, I was not, ministry was nowhere on my mind. I wanted to have had a heart towards God, but I was going to be involved in, the, in politics and in the government world and, and was pushing forward as hard and fast as I possibly could in that. And God just told me, no, that's not what I've called you to do. There were a number of different things, and I just began immediately to shift. I resigned from all, the, all of the <clears throat> positions that I had with different organizations and said, all right, God, I don't know what this means, but you're, you know, I feel like I'm called to, to be a, a pastor so I go to Pastor John Holler, who, if you want to hear him, is going to be preaching at Victory Christian Center tomorrow night. I tried to get him. He's supposed to be preaching for me right now. I was trying to get him to, but his schedule wouldn't make it happen. And um, anyways, didn't really know him at that time. And went and told him, you know, I feel like I'm called the pastor. I heard he was teaching people how to preach so in his office. And so I was like, will you teach me? He's like, oh, yeah. So he just... Laid into me everybody else in ministry at that time felt like they were going to go to the nations and I was like no I'm called to stay home and love on people and um, So he began to pour into me in about two weeks No, two months real short period of time. Anyways um, He comes to me with the opportunity to take my awesome High-paying job as a landscaper's helper a hole digger Nice, you know minimum wage job and begin to and cut that income in half by coming on staff at the church and being a pastor in training slash janitor. So I started out in ministries scrubbing toilets and did that for three and a half years. I was a janitor for a long time. Obviously, if you, if you master something and you promote, uh, it took me a long time to learn how to clean a toilet. And my wife still says I never quite got it down. And um, and so I did that. So I'd spend part of my day cleaning, and part of my day in Pastor John's office. And he was pouring into me and discipling in, into me. And it, it was all worked out fine and good. Because man, cutie, she was my she was my sugar mama. She was working. She was making twice as much money as me. All was good. Till we decided we got this heart stirring that it was time to have a family. Like we want to start. We want to have a kid, have kids. She was a nanny. For a doctor and she's like look if i'm going to raise kids i want to raise my own I'm like, all right fantastic and so she starts that and it ends up as we're pursuing things then it comes to the place that she has to stop working and we felt like god was asking of us at that point in time not that we're against moms working at all but we felt like god was asking of us for her to stay at home with the kids. Well, we began, as most of you know, we begin to have babies every two years. So, bloop, 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 bloop. So, she was pregnant or had a little one for like 10 years straight. And, um, and so, and then so our income went down. We're, we're honoring God. That we know this is where God has us. And our known income every month with pregnant, baby on the way, even Keenan comes was $500 a month. Well, you, you know, you can't live on that. You can't live on that. Not now. You couldn't live on it in 1995, 1996, or 1997. You just couldn't. But we knew that God had asked us to be in that place. And I'm telling you, it was an absolute amazing thing. Not for one month. The first time that God begins to provide, it was incredible. Then the next month, it's incredible. And so, and there were times that God just did just just miraculous stuff of just... That there would be $100 bills in the car seat. That's awesome. Somebody just laid it on somebody's heart to to provide. There were times I did roofing jobs and I worked on the weekends and I did other things. and, And there was all of these different things, but God provided over and over and over again. This was vital to our discipleship growing in God process for us to learn to trust Him day in and day out. Day in and day out that He was going to take care of us, that it didn't matter it didn't matter how much was reserved or how much wasn't. I mean it was time and time again that we just did not we weren't gonna be late on a on a bill at all. And all of a sudden they come down, we have to pay it that day. And man and God would just provide. It was just absolutely incredible to watch God do that. And that's the first part of this story. Matthew 6, verses 7 through 11 says, and, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. And do not be like them, for your Father knows what you have need before you ask Him. This then is how you should pray, our Father in heaven. And He rolls right into this. So wait a minute, God knows what we have need of before we ask Him? But then he tells us we got to ask him? That sounds like some kind of a sick game. If somebody did that with us, if somebody was sitting there and we had a, you know, we're having some <coughs> KFC and somebody comes up and we know that they need a chicken leg and we're like, well, ask. What kind of jerk is that? Give me a dang chicken leg. I'm hungry. Why are you going to make me ask? Why are you going to make me grovel? That's what it looks like is playing out here. It looks like that we said, well, God knows what we have need of. We have, it. And now I'm sitting here on my need, and you're telling me that I've got to come ask when you're the God of the universe and you know what I have need of? Why is it working this way? God, You just you're just on an authority trip here. You're just on a power trip, and you're just trying to make us... Look to you and no, and, and no, 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 no. Let's look at this. Deuteronomy thirty nineteen. We come back to this all the time, over and over and over again. While we are living on this planet, you have to understand this is in operation. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you. Life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. The truth of the matter is that we are choosers. And the reason that we have to come to God is because He is our source, because we have the choice to not come to God. He doesn't force-feed anything down our throats. But He has set before us life on every front. And we daily stand at the crossroads of decision for everything we move forward in. And as our believers and trusting God, we just should have a bent to just keep going to God. God, you're what I need i the the truth of going without exists it's the truth that's the death part it exists but the truth of provision exists as well and we can go to him and look to him and that's the whole point of it he knows what we have need the provision is there and we just should look to him over and over and over again so the question comes is why is this so important why do we have to get this down because here's just the truth we see modeled in the scriptures if we never learn to trust god with our daily needs then we will stall out and never move forward to the fullness of all that God has for us our daily needs are so daily they're so prevalent and they just brought it's continual guess what you wake up tomorrow and you are going to need to eat you get up the next day and you're going to need to eat. There's just it's this continual barrage. And if we don't learn that that barrage is going to be taken care of, we will be look at it all the time and miss out on this other things God has wanted to do with us. Look at Mark 8. Mark 8.13 says that he then left them, got back into the boat and crossed to the other side. And the disciples had forgotten to bring bread. Except... For one loaf they had with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. He's beginning to talk to them. Be careful and watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. He's talking to them about the poison that the Pharisees have where they think that they're righteous because of what they do. And if you think that you can be good enough to make God, then that will poison every piece of your relationship with God. Beware of that. Beware of the Herod, which that is the place of that you can get enough power and you can get enough success that all of a sudden that that makes makes your world okay. Beware of those different things. But look at how they responded. He's talking to them about deep life issues here. And look at how they respond. They discussed with one another and said, it's because we have no bread. That's my nat little kid voice. Was that any good? I tried. I know. No, no. <laughs> Aware of their discussion, and remember, it's, they look at them. They said it's because we have no bread. Did they have no bread? They had one loaf. They had some bread. They were so wrapped up in what they didn't have that it actually it blurred out in their mind what they actually did have. I'm sorry, but I'm just going to go ahead and go there. How many of us this morning went to our closet and said, I have nothing to wear? (laughs) Thank you for the honest people. That we can get so short-sighted that it's that, that it blurs out what we actually have. Aware of their discussion, Jesus said to them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? God getting us to trust Him with our daily things is a place of softening our hearts towards Him on every level. These are guys who gave up everything to follow Him, folks. These aren't just the casual person. These are guys who are in the boat doing ministry with Him. And He says, are your hearts still hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see, and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? On that ratio, they have enough bread in the boat for 1,000 people. He said, do you forget that? Did you forget it? How many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? There wasn't just enough to feed everybody. There was leftovers. Twelve, they said. And when I broke the seven loaves for the four thousand, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Seven, they said. Do you still not understand? If you're looking in a paper Bible or you have this where you have your Bible app open, just pull to the top of Mark 8 in verse 1. We started in verse 13. Mark 8, 1 through 9 is the feeding of the four thousand. And this storytelling, this story is so fresh, it had just happened. They'd had one other little stop where they dealt with some of the Pharisees, which is why Jesus is bringing up that subject matter to begin with. They had seen him miraculously provide, and they are freaking out and missing out on a deeper conversation because they think they have no bread and they can't eat when they've got one loaf and a miracle man. If we don't get this down folks, we won't totally stall in our relationship with God we just will it just did these guys did, and these are these are the disciples, and they were stalled out he tried to take them to the next level and they're still stuck but are we going to eat but are we gonna eat <laughs> we're gonna eat, but I just teach you with the with the loaves we're gonna eat and we will they will stall out we have to keep this moving this thing is progressive that god wants to take you on greater things we're now here today in our ministry story september is four years this next month is four years from launch for celebration church yes it's so exciting cutie and i while we saw god provide over and over and over again now, didn't, we never became lazy and didn't do what was required of us. And, and God laid it on our heart to, to do some business and that kind of stuff. And and while we were in ministry in that, then we began to be able to, to get some rental properties. And we um, were able to build some storage units. And we had three sets of storage units here in San Angelo. And we began to build up. And that was our old age money. We had stuff that made us money and had assets and grew. And we were being diligent and built that up. And then it comes to... 2007 and god begins to speak to our hearts and says i want you to sell it all and i want you to spend six months to a year with your family no job no nothing and i want you to drive around and i want you to visit churches and begin to see what the kind of ministry i want you to do wherever i lead you we have no idea where we're going honestly i never dreamed we would end up back in san angelo not that i didn't like san angelo Again, there's a lot of great churches here. That was part of the thing I argued with God. A lot of great ministries here already. And so we're sitting there, and our, we're building our, building our future money. And that, that was our old age money. And God says, I want you to sell it all, and I want you to do this. And had we not seen God provide over and over and over again, When it was a $40 electric bill. Oh, how wonderful to have a $40 electric bill. (laughs) Wish I had a $40 electric bill again. But man, it was huge to you when you don't have 40 bucks. And we watched God do it over and over and over again. And because we got to the place that that tomorrow's provision did not freak us out. Then when he asked us to sell everything. Then we're like, God, as long as we're convinced it's you, we'll do it. And man, I tell you what, God's favor was incredible. And man, we began to sell stuff. It was insane. We had, uh, my realtor would say, you're asking too little for it. He would jack it up. And our first eight properties sold, and I'm not joking. Each one of them, full price offers in under 24 hours. Every one of them, I'm just boom, 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 boom. Just these quick closings. Our storage units, I tried to sell them once before. Man, I sat there immediately, inside 24 hours, we had four full price offers. I mean, it was just insane, the favor and the confirmation. And we spent 2008 on one of the greatest adventures and treasures in my family's life ever. That we spent all that time in a motorhome, traveling over the U.S., visiting churches, letting God grow with us, getting to have all kinds of adventures, go to Disney World, all sorts of cool stuff, knowing... Not freaking out, what are we going to do when we're old? We're doing what God's asked us to do. That well, This is the purpose of this money. We thought it was our old age money. It wasn't. It was, he was building up this storehouse for this. And then he comes along and says, all right, now it's time to start Celebration Church and go back to San Angelo. And here we are, still trusting God with kids in college and another one going to college next year, all these different things. And it's still trusting God. That it is progressive, folks. It is. And I know it freaks us out. I've been there. I've been there in those times when you're like, God, ah, God following you is so hard. But it's only hard when we get over in the flesh and we freak out. When we trust Him and know that He's going to take care of us, I'm telling you, it's absolutely incredible. See, growing, (coughs) well, Luke uh, (coughs) 16, 11 Says so. If you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? As our hearts cry, that God, Lord, that people are the true riches? God, we want to be. We want to be the kind of people that you can trust us to love on people and to help guide people and to pour into people. We want to be true riches kind of true riches kind of believers. That's our hearts to cry. See, growing and trusting God for all of our needs has always been part of the move forward process with God. Let's look at Luke ten four through 7. This is his disciples. Jesus is training them and then he's ministering to, and he's teaching them how to minister. And he tells them, he's sending them out, two at a time. And he says, do not take a purse or a bag or sandals. Now, don't take anything extra. The purse, it wasn't the Prada. The purse was your wallet, Okay. It was the, your extra money. It says, do not take purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone uh, who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. And if not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you. For the worker deserves his wages and do not move around from house to house. The reason they weren't supposed to move around from house to house is because everybody can make a big sacrificial gift once or twice. But if they're going to be in an area for six or seven months, then you pretty much have to just get into the flow of what that house can provide. And so instead of them trying to milk everybody for their best gift and go, okay, well, we're going to stay over here with the Chavez's and they're going to take care of us awesome for a week. And we're going to deplete them and then we're going to go over here and we're going to live with these guys. He's like, no, don't jump around in a community. Get there, get clean, just whatever's provided, you just be cool with that and just minister. And just do that. So that's what they go and do. This is Luke 10. Jesus is at the end of his ministry. He's a, he's going to be ascending to the to the Father soon. He's given a wrap-up lesson and given his final stuff to his disciples in Luke 22, 12 chapters later. It says, then Jesus asked him. And there's, there's nothing that gets referenced. You keep reading in Luke 10. We have no idea other than that that they said, you know, demons flee in your name and all these different things, and they were so excited about the ministry part. They didn't talk about the provision part. But here it comes, Luke 22. It says, then Jesus asked them, when I sent you without purse or bag or sandals, did you lack anything? Nothing. He sent them out to show them that he was going to provide, that God was going to take care of anything. That they could just run with their assignment and not worry about all of that other stuff. That if they were just doing what God had asked them to do, that God was going to provide and take care of anything. Now he's taking their discipleship to the next level. He said to them, but now, if you have a purse, take it. Why now, if you have money, go ahead and take that? Because they're not going to be trusting in how deep the money bag is. They know that God's going to take care of them, whether it's full or whether it's empty. So now they begin to be stewards because they're going along and you can begin to take and utilize your talents, never trusting in your talents or your wealth, always trusting in God. That's where he wants us to grow and to be. And if you don't, also take it and also a bag. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. We see this same principle in, with the Israelites when they're taken out of slavery. They spend 40 years in the desert and they're provided manna, miraculous food from heaven every day for 40 years. Now, I, I get it. Um, all of us like to vary our diet a little bit. We don't like to eat the same thing every day. Well, guess what? These guys were getting miraculous food every day and they eventually whined and hated the stuff. They eventually hated it, and it was, miracu- it was miraculously pro- pro- <coughs> provided for. We have to protect our hearts, because we will go there to go, you know what, God, I'm just really not happy with the level of provision that I have at the moment. We've got we to gotta watch that, because God really has more for us, but we have to enjoy the moments and celebrate every day as God takes care of us. Because when they came to the promised land, guess what stopped The manna. Because they were in the place that where all of the the fruit of their hands, the the fields would produce ripe harvest. These vines produced grapes that took two guys with one stick to carry one cluster of grapes. This was a land that was bountiful. And the whole point of the manna was to say never trust in the bounty of the land. Never trust in your own ability to be an awesome farmer. Always trust in me. And then you can be an awesome farmer and can do all of these different things, and the provision's there. It's just we're trusting in Him. <clears throat> See Philippians four nineteen, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. God cares about your needs. He does. He does. And I've just seen it in our life over and over and over again. I've seen it in other people's lives over and over and over again. And if you're really going to grow as a disciple, if you're really going to grow in this relationship with God, you're going to have to, at some point, begin to really trust God on this level. And He is so, so faithful. Not that you have to go and do some crazy, sell everything and go on That was what God asked of us. What I'm saying is you've got to just be willing that, God, it's all yours. It's all yours because you provided it all to begin with and you'll, and you'll keep providing. And that's where this comes from. See, all relationships grow through communication. And Jesus modeled for us how to talk to God in a life-giving way. God's our provider. He provided us. In fact, the scriptures say that if he, would, if he gave us Jesus... How would He not also, with Him, give us every other thing we need? If he'd give us the very best. Why would He withhold something like our needs being provided for? He doesn't. So this morning, if you're at a place that you're ready to embrace the, uh, the the greatest provision God's ever taken care of, which is the provision for uh, for a life and salvation and heaven forever in Jesus Christ, then we want.